bless you. You can be seated. Tonight we continue our series and we're doing this in every level. Uh, It's called Elements, the spiritual building blocks to, uh, or the building blocks to a spiritual life. And tonight uh, our lesson is on the one true God. When you and I talk about another person, we often use descriptive terms to express what they are like. And we use terms that specifically speak of their attributes. They're funny, they're serious, they're down to earth, they're intellectual, they're reserved, they're an extrovert, they're an introvert, they're friendly, they're pleasant or kind. And all of these terms are simply descriptions that help us understand that person more fully. And all of the Bible, if you read it from cover to cover, you will discover that it is one long story of God revealing himself to mankind. From the creation of the world and the Old Testament covenants to the life and ministry of Jesus Christ and to the prophecies that are of the end and his return, all scripture records the story of that one true God that seeks to be known by humanity. We discover that God is bigger than and more magnificent than our minds and our hearts can comprehend. And yet this God who inhabits eternity wants to be known. And that is evident in Scripture from Genesis 1 through Revelation 22. God wants to reveal himself to mankind. And through his word and our experience with him, we come to know the Lord in many ways, as a father, as savior, as counselor, as healer, as guide, and so many other ways. And each revelation adds to our understanding of who God is. Now, When we are talking about God, it is critically important for you and I to begin and understand God and the concept or the idea of God and who He is, His nature, His manifestations, all of that. Our understanding must be derived from not man's ideas, but from the Word the scripture that he has given to us. It is only there in the word of God that we can see God and how he wants to be recognized. Now when it comes to man, man has come up with many concepts of God and who he is and how he relates to humanity. There's the atheist who says there is no God at all. There's the pantheist who believes that everything is God, nature and trees and birds. 
There's the polytheists who believe that there are many gods. And then there's the monotheist that believes there is one God. But if you really want to know God, shouldn't you start with his own autobiography? Shouldn't you start with his own words and listen to what he says about himself? And if you just take that and, and, and not filter into it all of the other philosophies of man, you can begin to get an understanding, just a finite understanding of who God is and who God says that he is. I was reading Genesis uh, 1 the other day and it is interesting that even in uh, a translation that is uh, considered to be influenced by Trinitarian thinking, uh, they made notation that in Genesis 1 when it said, God said, let us that that phrase could not have spoken of a plurality of deities because at that time, that concept was not even known. It wasn't even introduced into the mind of men until sometime around 320 AD where there was that merging together of, of the Grecian culture and it was hard for the Greek culture to comprehend only one God and they were a people that worshipped many gods. And so out of that came this idea that God was one but manifest in three separate, distinct, co-equal, co-eternal, co-existent people. And yet when you go to the Word, you find one God that manifests himself in many ways, but the ultimate manifestation was his indwelling in that body that we know as Jesus Christ. And I don't want to get ahead of myself, but when we read the word of God, we get to know God better because we're reading what he wants us to understand about who he is. We learn how he communicates. We learn the names that he has given to us that help explain his nature. He's the beginning and end. He's the first and last. He's everlasting but ever present. He's good but then he sent plagues in which people died. Judgment came. He is patient and yet punishment was a part uh, of sin's price. And he is sovereign but he allows people, humanity, to make their own decisions. He is a deliverer and yet a disciplinarian. He is merciful and yet still he is righteous. We should always, and I underscore that, we should always and only look at what God says about himself through his word. Let all the other books come in beneath and under his word. So how does God identify himself in scripture. And let's begin at the beginning. Our first introduction to him is found in Genesis 1 and 1, where God is introduced to us as spirit. He is supernatural. 
which means he can't be seen with natural eyes. But at times he would make himself known in a physical form and that was called a theophany. The reason for these manifestations is because he desired a relationship with humanity. But listen to what Genesis 1 said. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. John chapter 4 Jesus speaking to a woman at the well said in verse 21, Jesus saith unto her, Woman, believe me, the hour cometh when you shall neither in this mountain nor yet at Jerusalem worship the Father. You worship, you know not what. We know what we worship for salvation is of the Jews. But now, but the hour cometh and now is when the true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship Him. And God is a spirit. And they that worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. Paul gives us an even clearer understanding in 2 Corinthians 3 and 17 where he said, Now the Lord is that Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. And in the next chapter he goes on to explain what that Spirit is he's talking about. Verse, four, uh, verse 6 of chapter 4 of Second Corinthians. For God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness has shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. So with the same power that God created light in a physical sense, He manifests His glory and His essence in the body of Jesus Christ. In Isaiah 57, 15, the scripture tells us that He is eternal. For thus saith the high and lofty one that inhabiteth eternity, whose name is holy. I dwell in the high and holy place with Him also that is of a contrite and humble spirit. In 1 Kings 8 and 27, he says that he is infinite, who is able to build him a house. Who is able, seeing the heaven and heavens of heavens cannot contain him. For who am I then that I should build him a house? In Jeremiah 32, 17, he tells us that he is all-powerful. We use the term omnipotent. Ah, Lord God, behold, thou hast made the heaven and the earth by thy great power and stretched out arm, and there is nothing too hard for thee. Behold, I am the Lord, the God of all flesh. Is there anything too hard for me? In Psalms 139, we are introduced to him as the ever-present one. We call him omnipresent 
whether shall I go from, the, from thy spirit or whether shall I flee from thy presence. If I ascend up into heaven, thou art there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there you shall be. Your hand will be there. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me, even the night shall be light unto me. Yea, the darkness hideth not from thee, but the night shineth as the day. The darkness and the light are both alike to thee. In John, 1 John chapter 3 and verse 20, he is introduced as the all-knowing one. We call him omniscient. He said, for if our heart condemn us, God is greater than our heart and knoweth all things. But listen to me tonight, church family. The clearest theme in Scripture of who God is and who He wants us to understand Him to be and who He identified Himself as. And it is the most critical revelation. And that is that God is absolutely, indivisibly one. Amen. Let me read some scripture to you. Let me take you on a journey. Deuteronomy 6 and 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. 1 Corinthians 4, 6 through 4, 4 through 6. For though there be that, that are called gods, whether in heaven or in earth, as there it be gods many and lords many, but to us. Everybody say, but to us. But to us there is but one God. Deuteronomy 32, 39. See now that I, even I am he, and there is no God with me. Amen. Deuteronomy 4, 35 and 39. Unto thee it was shewed that thou mightest know that the Lord, he is God. There is none else beside him. Know therefore this day and consider it in thine heart that the Lord, he is God in heaven above and upon the earth beneath. There is none else. 1 Samuel 2 and 2. There is none holy as the Lord, for there is none beside thee, neither is there any rock like our God. Second Samuel 22 and 22. For who is God save the Lord? Who is a rock save our God? Isaiah 41, 4. Who hath wrought and done it, calling the generations from the beginning? I the Lord, the first and with the last I am he. Isaiah 43, 10. You are my witnesses, saith the Lord, and my servant whom I have chosen, that you may know and believe me and understand that I am he. Before me there was no God formed, neither shall there be after me I, even I, am the Lord, and beside me there is no Savior. Isaiah chapter 45, thus saith the Lord, or chapter 44, thus saith the Lord, the King of Israel, and his Redeemer, the Lord of hosts, I am the first and I am the last, and beside me there is no God. Amen. Isaiah 45 
chapter 45, verse 5. I am the Lord, and there is none else. There is no God beside me. I girded thee, though thou hast not known me. Verse 6, they, that they may know from the rising of the sun and from the west that there is none beside me. Are you getting the clear picture? He doesn't want us to be confused about how many or where they are, but there is one God, there is one Lord, there is one faith, there is one. Amen. Isaiah 46 and 9, remember the former things of old, for I am God and there is none else. I am God and there is none like me. Isaiah 48, 12, hearken unto me, O Jacob and Israel, my call, I am he. I am the first, I am also the last. Hosea 13, 4. He said, hearken, are, are ye, yes, yet I am the Lord thy God from the land of Egypt, and thou shalt know no God but me, for there is no Savior beside me. Amen. None. Everybody say none. No, not one. No, not one. Aren't you thankful that you know who he is tonight? Amen. Mark chapter 12, verse 32. And the scribe said unto him, Well, Master, thou hast said the truth, for there is one God, and there is none but he, and to love him with all the heart and with all the understanding, with all the soul, with all the strength, and to love his neighbor as himself is more than all whole burnt offerings and sacrifice. And when Jesus saw that he answered discreetly. He said unto him, Thou art not far from the kingdom of God. And so the identity that God wants us to have of him is one God, one single, but multifaceted. Many displays. And you find throughout Scripture of God's manifestation he manifests himself to Moses in a burning bush. And he spoke out of that burning bush. And it was there at that encounter that he introduced Moses to his name. When you go before Pharaoh and he wants to know who sent you, tell him, I am has sent you. What is I am? It's four letters in the Hebrew, Y-H. W-H. They didn't have consonant or vowels. And so when, uh, uh, when they read that, they understood that that term represented Lord. The one who is. The one who is to be. The I am. And we translate it as Jehovah or Yahweh. So God identifies himself as I am, the self-existent one, the one who exists alone. And when you begin to understand that I am, you understand that that is at the core of all of, of who God is. It's the shortened form of Yah, J-A-H. And that is the last part of the word hallelujah. That's why when we use that word in our praise, it has such 
a powerful influence over us because we're literally praising the name of the Lord. God revealed himself to Noah. He revealed himself to Abraham. He revealed himself to Isaac. He revealed himself to Jacob. He came as a pillar of cloud by day and fire by night. He appeared to a woman as an angel. He appeared in the fiery furnace with the Hebrew boys. Wherever and whenever God presented himself in a specific location, he was still everywhere at all times because he inhabits the universe. And that's something that's hard to wrap your mind around. But it's who God is. And when God wanted to display his greatest revelation of who he was, he came in the body of Jesus Christ. Scripture declares that the plan of God existed in the mind of God before the foundation of the world. First Peter 1, For as much as you know that you are not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold, from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot, who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times. When John picked up the pen and started writing about him, this is what he said. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The Word there is logos, which literally translated means thought. In the beginning was the thought, and the thought was with God, and the thought was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life. And the life was the light of men, and the light shineth in the darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. And the word, the logos, the thought was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory. Whose glory? God's glory. We beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. God identifies himself to us in that fleshly body. Amen. I'm glad I know who Jesus is tonight. When I talk to him, I know who I'm talking to. I don't have to offend another part of a deity because when I am calling on the name of the Lord, I am calling on the God of creation. Amen. But when God revealed himself, he did not stop uh, in, in trying to explain who he was. In Colossians 2, he said, in him dwells the fullness of the Godhead bodily. For in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. And we are complete in him, which is the head of the all principalities and powers, just as you and I have the DNA of both our father and our mother in us. Jesus was made from human DNA, his mother, and from divine DNA because the scripture said that the spirit overshadowed Mary and she conceived. Listen to what the word says about his coming. 
Isaiah 9 and 6. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and we shall call, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace, and of the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end. Matthew 1, 21, And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Now all this was done that it might be fulfilled which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child and shall bring forth a son and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. Amen. Aren't you glad you know that God is with us tonight? Hallelujah. Would you just lift your hands and praise him right now? Thank you, Lord, for that revelation and understanding that you are in our midst even now, that you are with us right now in this moment of time. Praise God. Later in his ministry, Jesus would declare that he was the fulfillment of Isaiah's prophecy. Luke chapter 4 Verse 18, he said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives and the recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised and to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. And he closed the book and he gave it again to the minister and sat down and all eyes were upon him in the synagogue and he said this day is this scripture fulfilled in your ears in other words what Isaiah said I am that revelation praise God he told his disciples after his death and resurrection that he would be known as the I am and in John 13 and 19 he said before it happens I want to tell you that in that day I will be known as I am John 18 verse 4 through 6 when Jesus was cut when they came to arrest him in the garden and they asked if he was Jesus he said I am he but in the in the original text the word he is not in there he just simply said I am am and when he said that the bible said that those men fell back in 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 overwhelming uh reverence or uh power from the understanding of what he had simply declared that he was the i am of the old testament the spirit that was in jesus was the same spirit of the i am that spoke to moses and he embodied the very life and fullness of God. And the scripture says that he is the express image. That word express means exact. It actually means a stamp. God who at sundry times and in diverse manners 
spake in time past unto the fathers by the prophets, hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds, who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person and upholding all things by the power of his word. What is important for you and I to understand is that when the term son or father are spoken, they're not speaking of a separate co-equal, coexistent person, but they're speaking of the identity through which he wanted to you to understand him and have a relationship with him. So we're not talking about a multiple personality in the deity, but we're talking about one God who could be father in creation. He could be the son in redemption and he would come as the Holy Ghost in regeneration. And so when I come to worship him, I can call him Jesus. I can call him my father. I can call him my Lord. There's just one. You don't have to worry about offending somebody because you talk too much to the Lord because when you see him, he said, you've seen the father for I and my father are one. Thank you, Jesus, for that revelation today. Praise God. Well, I'm getting a little ahead of myself. It's important for us to understand that he was both fully God and fully man. Jesus was the merging together of God and humanity and it could not be divided or separated. He was not half God and half man. He was Emmanuel, God with us. He was a child made of a woman, made after the flesh. Amen. Galatians 4 and 4 says, But when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his Son made of a woman, made under the law. Matthew 1 and 18, Now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise, when as his mother Mary was a spouse to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. As a human, Jesus had thoughts and feelings, but at times he spoke as the God he was. He was God with a divine nature and human with a free will. If Jesus had not had a free will, then his temptations would have been a farce and his crucifixion a mockery. But he was both God and man. And understanding his humanity and understanding his deity can sometimes be challenging because there are times when he acted and spoke from that perspective and that place of divinity. He performed miracles. He healed the blind eyes. He opened the deaf ears. He, uh, he straightened the crooked limbs. He raised the dead. He forgave sin. But then again, at other times, you could see that human perspective where he hungered, he slept, he needed rest. He claimed to be older than Abraham in John 8 and 58. He spoke as only God could speak, calming the winds and healing the sick. And yet in his humanity, 
while he hung on the cross, he could cry out, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? He felt, he felt the pain and the agony. He spoke as both man and he spoke as God. Who, when you listen to him pray, you're not, he, he's not contradicting the, the, his own deity. When he prayed to the Father, it is that humanity that is simply acknowledging and modeling for us our need of God. Jesus was sinless, and yet he was baptized. He had no need to repent, but he willingly went into the water in submission so that we would follow his example. When he did, the Spirit of God validated him with both an audible and physical affirmation. You'll find that in Matthew 3.13. He professed and exhibited deity. He said to the woman at the well, John 4.24, he told her that he was the long-awaited Messiah. In Mark 14.61, he states before the high priest that he acknowledged that he was the Christ. And in Mark 14 and 64, it was for that blasphemy that he considered himself God, that he was sentenced to death. And in his humanity, he submitted his will to the purpose of God, even when his flesh cried out, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. And in that moment of his life, the suffering and pain was as real as it would be to you and I. Emotionally, he felt forsaken. And all the while, his tortured body hung on that cross. The God in him could not be quenched. He would turn and forgive the thief beside him sin. He would extend mercy to those who had crucified him. And on the resurrection morning, that power would raise him up from that grave so that he would be alive forevermore. What do we say to some of those things but yea and amen? I'm thankful that I know him. I'm thankful that I understand who Jesus is. Sometimes in scripture people are confused by terms that do not always translate into our modern English because they have lost their emphasis or meaning as time has progressed, such as the term right hand. You read it often that he sat down on the right hand. The literal translation said he sat down on the rights. Now my question is, if God is everywhere at all times, how can you ever get to his right? What he was speaking of was not a literal physical position, but a place of authority, a place of power, and a place of dominion. The phrase was speaking of his authority to be who he was. We hear the word we or us, and in our time, in our way of thinking, that seems to mean a plurality. But in fact, it was a majestic and royal term that was used to speak of a ruler's greatness or power 
or prestige. And when you hear we or us, it can really be translated I or me. And the term does not indicate when you read in John 14 that you're going to be filled with the Spirit, that you're going to be filled with the Spirit of the Father that's separate from the Son. They're all that one Spirit. It is one that will come in and dwell in our lives. He was saying that the Spirit was both Father and Son, not separate ones. Amen. Aren't you glad you know who He is? Ephesians 4 said there's one body and one Spirit, even as you are called by one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. The God who first revealed himself as creator and later made himself known as son would come and dwell in your and I lives by the same spirit. Amen. Somebody say amen. Romans 8, he said, but you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If so, be that the Spirit of God dwell in you. Now, if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. And if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the Spirit of life because of righteousness. But if the Spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that quickened or raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by His Spirit that dwelleth in you. Amen. Sometimes there's a rhetorical repetition of terms that lead people to think there's got to be more than one. You hear things like grace be unto you and peace from God the Father and from our Lord Jesus Christ. It is not simply implying two gods, but a revelation of who that one God is. He is both Lord and God. He is Father and He is Lord. And Thomas answered and said unto him, My Lord and my God, all in one. Amen. The God who is to come. Revelation 1 and 8. He said, I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the ending, saith the Lord, which is, which was, and which is to come, the Almighty. How many Almighties can you have? Amen. Can there be more than one? It was only after the New Testament was written that controversies arose concerning who Jesus was. And all of them were filtered through Greek philosophy and mythology and creeds were developed that did not fully agree with or use the language of Scripture to define their terms. And I'm here to tell you tonight that any teaching about God must agree with His own revelation of who He says He is or you're not hearing the truth. The Bible speaks of God as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. 
but it never speaks of three persons or three centers of consciousness in God. He is one God who manifests himself in these ways. The Spirit is described as God's personal presence in my life and in action. And the New Testament identifies Jesus as the Son of God. It never calls him God the Son. There's a great difference between those two terms because one speaks of a physical birth and one speaks of a pre-existing eternal sonship. Scripture is clear regarding what the Holy Ghost is. It is the God who fathered creation living inside of me in this present moment. I am thankful that he lives in us tonight. And I'm thankful that I know who he is. Listen, and I'm going to close here in a moment, but listen to how Paul defined him in Timothy. And without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, believed on in the world, received up into glory. When Jesus served as a mediator between the supernatural and the natural, the holy and the unholy, he gained victory over all things. Revelation 1 and 18, fear not, I am the first and the last. I am he that was, I am he that is and was, or, or, or is and was and is to come. I am alive forevermore. Amen. And somebody say amen with me. He is one. Everybody say one. I'm glad I know that one. Amen. I'm glad I know that one. The Holy One who came to save his people from their sin. And when the end of days is come and time shall be no more, we shall not see many faces nor many thrones, but we shall see one face, amen, and we shall see one throne. Listen to what John wrote in Revelation chapter 4, verse number 1. After this I looked, And behold, a door was opened in heaven. And the first voice which I heard was as it were a trumpet talking with me, which saith, Come up hither, and I will show thee things which must be hereafter. And immediately I was in the Spirit, and behold, a throne, singular, was set in heaven and one who sat upon the throne. W.A. Criswell, in his commentary on Revelation, and he is a Trinitarian in belief, he said in his own book of Revelation commentary that when you get to heaven, don't expect to see anybody but Jesus Christ in a physical form. Amen. Why? Because that's all you're going to see. Amen. Revelation 22 and 1. John paints a further picture of what heaven is going to be like. And I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth were passed away 
and there was no more sea. And I, John, saw the holy city Jerusalem coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a great voice out of the heavens saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself shall be with them, and be their God, and God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. Verse 5 said, And he, and he, singular, that sat upon the throne, singular, said, Behold, I make all things new. Amen. One, one throne, one Lord, but many facets of that, of that marvelous God that we celebrate tonight. In heaven, we're going to celebrate God's sovereignty over all things. And we are going to see and know and understand. And we will fully understand who God is and who the Lord Jesus is. And we will know that they are one, indivisibly. Lion and lamb, ancient of days and son of man. I'm thankful that I know him tonight. The I am who commanded the light to shine out of darkness into our hearts. We will see his grace and his goodness and his glory in the face of our Savior, Jesus Christ. And on that day, he shall be known as he is known. And we will worship him for eternity. Not three, not a multiplicity, but one God. Father in creation, Son in redemption, Holy Ghost in regeneration and we will worship him forever as that one true living God. Amen. I am anxious for that day. Praise God. Are you glad you know who he is tonight? I, I know I've gone pretty rapidly but I had to because of my time. There was too much material to cover. If you need scriptures I can give them to you later. But if you'll just go to the book and stay out of the other books, there's no confusion over who he was and what he wanted us to know of him. Amen. There are so many things about the Lord that we are yet to know. But I'm just telling you that the fullness of the Godhead dwelt in him, Jesus Christ, bodily. And so when you see him, you see that fullness. Amen. I'm thankful for that. That's why when we worship around here and we start praising the Lord, there's so many facets of God that are manifest in our midst. His love, His mercy, His compassion, all of those things of who He is. And we find them as we worship Him as Lord and Savior. Amen. Stand with me right now. And I want you to, if you... If you've gotten a revelation of who the Lord is in your life, I want you to thank him for that revelation right now. Would you do that? Thank you, Lord, that we understand and we know who you are. Lord, when we call upon you, we are calling upon the one God who manifests himself 
in that fleshly body so you could identify with us so that you could become one with us. But oh, in identifying with us, you, Lord, did more. You redeemed us because of who you were and who you are and what you have accomplished. We now stand before you as redeemed children of God and we bear your name and we, we, are, we, are, we are recipients of your spirit that dwells in us and we are thankful and we look forward to that day when we shall join around the throne and worship that one who sits upon the throne high and lifted up and his train filling the temple. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Would you clap your hands to the Lord and give him praise right now? Amen, amen, amen. The mighty God in Christ. I'm thankful that I know him tonight. Amen. You need to know him better, and you can know him by just getting in the book and just reading what he says about himself. And understand that there are terms that he uses that are simply identifiers of who he is revealing himself to be. But if you want to find him, you're going to find him in the face of Jesus Christ in that fleshly body. Amen. Thankful that I know him. Praise God. Well, you're dismissed tonight. If you have offerings or tithes that you want to give our ushers will be at the back of the auditorium we look forward to seeing you here this coming weekend amen pray pray that god will be with all of you in jesus name amen